This is the Find Your Forte podcast, Technique Tuesday, on Thursday night. You have the passion. You have the education. Now, it's time for the inspiration. Get ready to step up to the podium with purpose. This is the Find Your Forte podcast with choral director and lifestyle entrepreneur, Ryan Guth. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Find Your Forte podcast, bringing you another Technique Tuesday, this time on Thursday. I was inspired today because I received a Facebook message from a friend of mine from college, and she writes, Hi Ryan, need some advice. I came into a new teaching position in September with a disastrous music program to build up in a Catholic-slash-private school. Concerts before I came lasted three and a half hours with simple pop song repertoire, and the teacher prior would be bullied by a lot of parents having their children get solos since they pay tuition at school. Since taking over, I had a wonderful Christmas concert, well above the level the school has seen in six years, and the staff and administration are thrilled. However, recently a parent has become aggressive and hostile regarding my no-solo policy this year. I went them to learn how to sing as an ensemble before giving solos this year. It's a rebuilding year. She has sent a verbally abusive email to myself and the principal concerning my decision. I am being forced to sit and discuss my reasoning behind my direction with her on Tuesday after school. My principal will always fold for a parent and does not have a good track record for supporting the teacher in a parent meeting. I'm asking your advice because I'm unsure how to handle the situation. I appreciate any advice you can offer. Thank you, and I hope all is well. All right, the dreaded parent meeting. Um, This is something that is right up my alley as far as how to handle um, this type of interaction. I have had some pretty miserable parent meetings in my life, but um, those interactions have uh, made me much better at at dealing with people. And also, the entrepreneurial skills that I've developed since owning my own company have uh, made me have to become a much better customer servant. And if you look at your interactions with parents as though they were your customers and that your livelihood uh, depended upon their purchasing what you have to buy, uh, what you have to sell, pardon me, Uh, then you might consider looking at um, this from a different angle, Um, one that's less vain and prideful and one that's a lot more about who you serve uh, and looking at their perspective. So in this situation, we have a teacher with a brand new job on her hands, Uh, and it sounds like uh, the past six years in that school haven't gone so hot. And after speaking with her, she told me that this is the kind of school that if your kid is a jerk, uh, you can pay this, you know, this school and they'll accept them anyway. Uh, so there's a lot of very entitled children uh, and entitled parents that send their kids to this particular school. So she has a pretty difficult job in front of her. So one of the things I, I was trying to, you know, to pick her brain about is, is what her, are her goals? And uh, she told me that, you know, her goals are to, you know, help develop the ensemble, help develop uh, the culture and establish rapport with the school uh, before she tried to get too crazy by adding some of these uh, variables that 
a lot of times cause stress. So she implemented this no solo policy this year. Now, her first mistake is actually announcing that there is a no solo policy. Uh, I didn't tell her this on the phone. Uh, I just sort of thought about it afterwards. But it, if you have a policy that you know may incite a parent or, or the community, just don't talk about it. If she happened to not do solos this year, somebody could come to her and say, well, why were there no solos this year? And she could say, you know what? Didn't even think about it. Thank you for letting me know. And maybe we can look into it next year. I've already planned my music, but maybe we can look into it next year, right? Um, but by announcing that there is a no solo policy, um, she's you know handing over some ammunition to some people who are going to try to make her life a little bit difficult. And this parent is doing that in this situation. So number one, um, don't announce the policies that you know are going to be unpopular, but you know that you need to enforce. Just do them. Um, and then you can always apologize later if you feel like that's necessary. Um, now, stepping into the meeting, uh, my second piece of advice um, is to make sure that she and the principal have uh, a pre-meeting meeting, uh, so they are on the same page with what the goal is uh, for this meeting, and they need to be a united front. They must be a united front in this situation, or else um, you're going to have the situation of like a bratty kid pitting mom against dad. Um, you know, mom says no, dad says yes because he's a pushover or something like that. And you do not want that to happen in the meeting. You, you don't want the principal to get on the parent side and uh, you are just, um, you know, floating around by yourself um, and, and trying to... Uh, to survive uh, this meeting with uh, your job and your pride, right? So, so the pre-meeting meeting is incredibly important in this type of situation. My third tip would be to make sure that you try to hypothesize and gain a parent perspective, this parent's perspective on the situation. Why would this parent act this way? What are the reasons behind um, their decision to challenge you uh, on this situation? And I really believe it's not to insult you or hurt your pride. There's clearly something that is deeper that we're not getting uh, a hold of. And so be begin to start putting the puzzle pieces together and think um, what is important to this parent and um, how can we be friends uh, after this situation? By acknowledging her concerns before she has to bring them up herself. Because if she can hear that her concerns are being voiced by the person on the other side of the table, she won't feel as though she has to say them. She's almost disarmed at that point. So if you can hypothesize why she feels the way she feels and then come up with those ideas in the meeting before she has a, a second to say anything about them, then she's disarmed. And then uh, you have an advantage at that point. Number four is to try your best to make friends with the parent through this confrontation. Um, you do not want an argument because whenever you have uh, somebody who uh, feels uh, like their pride is being hurt, um, they're just going to put up a wall and you're going to have uh, fighting fire with fire 
and it's not going to be a productive conversation. It's going to be an argument, and nobody uh, wants to um, lose an argument. It hurts their pride. Uh, so, so go into the meeting with the idea that you want to be friends with this person. You want to gain them on your side, potentially the light side of the force, so that you have them as an ally in the future. Because if a parent goes to this extreme to write you an email that is less than flattering, (laughs) then they're probably going to be um, just as passionate of an ally if you get them on your side. They might organize every brownie bake sale as long as the brownies are peanut-free, don't even get me started on that. Uh, and um, this person is is really going to be somebody who's going to be an asset to your program if you can pull them over to your side. Tip number five would be to um, see that perspective and make them say yes twice before um, you really get into the meat of your side of the, of, of the story. So, for example... In this situation, I would have said to the parent, you know, Mrs. Smith, I really appreciate you being here today to to speak about this. Uh, Clearly, this is something you're very passionate about. Clearly, my job is something I'm very passionate about. Um, And I I just want you to gain um, some perspective um, on my side of the job uh, while I uh, begin to understand yours. So one of the things that I'm most concerned about when I am teaching children to sing together is that there is a sense of safety uh, in the classroom. Uh, As it is, my classroom does not have a door. There there are children walking by uh, the class um, while class is in session, and uh, it's been very difficult for me to gain a sense of, of safety in the classroom um, so, that, so that kids feel um, free to sing with their best voice and that they feel safe expressing themselves in the classroom. Uh, Mrs. Smith, would you agree that, that uh, safety in the classroom uh, is an important part of a good music education? And she will likely say yes. Why would she say no, right? And then you could you could begin to segue into another question she's going to say yes to. Here's another question. You know, Mrs. Smith, it's very important to me that my students have a positive experience every time they come into our classroom. That's what's going to make this next year better than the last six years. I notice that Johnny is not incredibly outgoing and that if he were to try out for a solo... And he may not potentially get one at this point uh, because he has not worked up the confidence yet uh, to be able to you know, convince uh, the teacher that this would be the right opportunity for him at the moment. I don't have any help in my classroom besides myself, and I'm not able to do solo auditions one-on-one. I'd have to do them in front of the entire class. And I feel like at this point in Johnny's vocal education, uh, that would not be the most positive experience for him, and I would really want to avoid any embarrassment. Would you agree that it is important for me as a teacher to protect my students from potentially embarrassing situations? And um, she'll likely say, she'll likely say yes, because um, of course she would not want her son to be embarrassed. So the next way, uh, the next thing you say after she said yes twice is that 
Um, you know, Mrs. Smith, uh, what's very important to me is that I introduce uh, solos in a manner that is responsible to uh, the kids' education. And uh, I feel as though if I was just hasty about it and, and um, introduce solos too quickly, we may have a situation where kids are not fully prepared to try out because they haven't learned how to try out for a solo. And they would potentially, um, they would potentially end up um, feeling unsafe because they're, the, this, the other children in the classroom, their feedback might not be positive because we haven't really established a culture to support each other in the classroom yet. So I would rather take a little bit more time and um, establish a very positive culture after uh, several years of, of quite a, a disjunct one and uh, be able to um, move into the solo process in a fashion where the student's self-esteem becomes my priority and that they are protected from any negative experience in this classroom. Next, you want to build trust. I just want to acknowledge um, that I know where you're coming from, that I've heard your concern through our previous correspondence. And um, from what what I'm hearing is that um, you feel as though um, the solo... uh, process is an essential process in music education. And I just want you to know that I agree with you completely. And it's not something that I'm you know, trying to withhold um, for my own benefit. Uh, it's definitely something that I feel uh, very passionate is it should be a part of music education, you know, in, in truth, the matter in life, because, you know, kids are going to um, uh, receive accolades, they're going to get rejected more than they receive, receive accolades in their lifetime. Uh, so, um, having a solo process, audition process as part of, uh, the education in the school is, is essential. Um, but I wanted to make sure, uh, that you are aware that it's really just a matter of, um, implementing it at the right time. And, and I just want you to trust me that I will, um, bring this, you know, that your concerns are heard and that I will bring this into, Um, the program uh, at a time that I see um, that it is best for the kids, for their self-esteem, and for the culture of the program. So that's that's the way I would handle it. And if um, she comes back and says anything else, you know, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um, You know, I want you to know that your your concerns are being heard. And that's very important to me. So, you know, the reason I say I say all this sort of stuff at the end is is that I want I want you to think about the idea of you know calling a big cable company like Comcast, right? If you called the cable company and you told them how terrible your service was, and they said to you, you know what? you're kind of full of crap and uh, our service is really awesome. It's, it never goes down. Um, when you call, you know, you're never on hold for 45 minutes. I don't know what you're talking about. That's obscene. Then um, you're likely going to walk away from that conversation with that Comcast representative going, what a load of crap. I'm signing up for Verizon Fios right now and, uh, and screw them, right? But if somebody on the other end says, you know, 
ma'am, I really understand where you're coming from. I've actually had the same issue um, with my own service. And uh, I, I apologize on behalf of my company. I'm going to do everything I can to straighten this out for you. Then you at least feel like your concern was heard. And you almost feel like you've gained a, 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 a trusting confidant in, in the person on the other end of the line. And I want to make sure that as a teacher um, that, you know, you're establishing a culture in your program where um, people can come to you. You're not the all-knowing, whether you think you are or not, you are not the all-knowing, you're not the almighty, and you are establishing um, a certain level of trust with your with your parents, and that if they're just heard that one time, that they feel as though um, uh, they have somebody who has their best interest at heart and their kids. So, so yeah, that's how I'd handle it. And if you need to go back and listen to it over again, uh, if you have a meeting like this coming up, uh, or if you don't, keep it in your file because maybe you will. You should book the, bookmark this podcast as one of your favorites uh, in case you need to come back to it and um, take some of what I have and apply it to your own situation. Uh, Choir Nation, I really want to hear from you. I want to know what you want. I want to know what episodes you like which ones you don't like, which ones you listen to, which ones have affected you, which ones have inspired you, which guests you've loved. Would you please reach out to me? If you go to my website on the right-hand side, there's a little blue uh, tab with a microphone on it where you can actually record a voicemail to me and let me know what you like, what you don't like. You can always feel free to email me as well. Very easy. It's ryan at ryanguth.com. Email me and let me know what you, what you think. I also wanted to mention that this episode is sponsored by Music Teacher Money School, which is a brand new project that I've started as a Facebook group over uh, facebook.com forward slash Music Teacher Money School. You could check that out and uh, request access to that group. There's some cool things going on over there. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Find Your Forte with Ryan Guth. As always, join Ryan online at www.ryanguth.com for detailed show notes and discussions on every episode. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Until next time, be amazing.